0: Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the unofficial Unreal Engine podcast, where we talk about all things Unreal and
1: also the magic. First, we're your hosts. My name's Alex, and I'm Jacob. It's uh, it's great to be back on the podcast. Uh, it's an exciting one this week. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, rate, whatever it is, wherever you're watching or listening. I we got a lot to talk about this week, Alex. We sure do, Jacob. This week, like we're that we're not that good. We we, we don't do it every week. You know this episode where uh, we got a lot of talked about this talk about.
0: this fiscal quarter
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so Alex, why is it we have so much to talk about?
0: We have a lot to talk about because something that people have been waiting for for seven years and other people probably like thirty years has finally happened, which yeah. is uh, Apple has finally properly stepped into the world of XR and announced an actual product that is going to come out, their Apple
1: Vision Pro headset. Yep. Uh, and I I think I speak for both of us where I when I say we're at least excited to try.
0: Yes, 100%. I, mean,
1: I, I think that uh, there is a lot of different angles to this device. Uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about. And even just in the trailer, there's so many different moments to to kind of analyze, but I, I think we just get right into it.
0: Yeah. Can I start with a, a little bit of a confession? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I've never actually watched one of these uh, worldwide developer conferences from Apple before. Like I've watched archive footage of Steve Jobs. You've never seen any of the, the keynotes? IPhone. Sorry? You've never seen any of the keynotes? Nothing since Steve Jobs died, yeah. And even those I never watched live, even if, I don't know if they were live at the time, but um, I always watched uh, those on replay and I, I haven't seen any of the keynotes because I'm not much of an Apple guy. I haven't owned a Macintosh since 1995 or any Apple products. I have an iPhone now. It's my very first iPhone. And it's only because when it felt like Google gave up on uh, VR, Daydream and all that went kaput. I was like, well, at least Apple is doing some exciting things with AR. And I wanted to use things like Live Link Face for Unreal. So. So that was really my reason for getting an iPhone. And there's still things that bother me about what an iPhone does versus Android, but I'm here. Uh oh, yeah, that yeah, being yeah. said, so I was really excited. I, I turned on the live stream yesterday and uh was super bored immediately because, like, I'm <laughs> like, okay, this is all pre-recorded, this is all canned, there's nothing live about this, they're not even like cutting to the audience. Yeah. I know all these like road to VR, upload VR, different reporters who I'm excited to get their takes, and like I can't even see the audience, I don't even know where they are. And it felt like a lot like the meta presentation to me um, back in October, where everyone just has this like weird forced smile, and everything feels like <laughs> overproduced and over rehearsed. And there's almost like an yeah. uncanny valley of presentation. And here's what happened after the first, I don't know, 80 minutes of the keynote, I fell asleep, I yeah. actually passed out and fell asleep oh, watching it. God. And when I woke up, <laughs> It was two minutes to the end of the presentation. So they were like already like showing, you know, Disney and like, here's the headset. I was like, oh my God, it's happening real. Um, And I was just totally taken aback by the whole thing. So I probably Uh, did not have the same experience everyone else did with the whole like one more thing. Oh my God, it's happening. Anticipation, anticipation. uh, Um, How did the the whole experience come off to you, Jacob?
1: Well, I I mean, first of all, the Apple keynotes are like my Super Bowl every year. I love (laughs) these so much um it is way better when it when it's live and they stopped doing that in covid which Mm -hmm. i think is reasonable it's reasonable you you don't do those you know uh uh, during the pandemic right Uh, but i agree that they were way more fun live um so that's the start and you know everyone was talking about how much that they had to pack in to 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 this presentation and they were absolutely right i mean you know, previous, in the previous month, they had released uh, uh, Pro Tools, um, sorry, not Pro Tool, uh, GarageBand? No, <laughs> Logic and Pro Tools, sorry, mm-hmm. um, for iPad, which was huge, because that had been development for years and years, everyone had been talking about it. And they just like dropped it in a press release. And everyone's like, oh, my God, they must have so much to talk about. And they were right because the first hour was a whirlwind of all the different devices, all of the different ecosystems. And they were trying to make it feel like it was just the cool, casual Apple. But every time they were just like, here's a new feature. Here's a new feature. Here's a new feature. And and like they didn't stop, you know, usually in an Apple presentation, they stop and they give these, you know, elaborate ads or, you know, they for every feature, they kind of give like examples or they bring on a guest and it wasn't that at all. Uh,
0: yeah, I also had to laugh every time someone just emerged from behind like the virtual screen and was like, I'm ready to talk now. Yeah, like yeah. just the implication that there's just like a lineup of people standing behind a screen and they come out one at a time, which yeah, I, I, what I will me.
1: say though is that their video transitions are pretty great. Yeah. yeah, um, sure. they have a skill with that for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, okay. But getting to the point, you know, we get to like hour 20, hour 30, and they haven't (laughs) talked about this yet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at that point I'm starting to get a little nervous because these presentations don't always go a full two hours. And I looked at the time code when I joined the presentation and it had said 83 minutes like in the little scrub bar. Yeah. So we were at the end of that. Um, I don't know if they planned this or not, but you know, it was, uh, what's his name? The, the, the VP of, of software. I can't remember his name. I only know who, Tim Cook. <laughs> That's the uh, only yeah. name
0: from Apple I know.
1: He was there most of the time yeah. and he was like closing it up. Everyone was like, oh, I guess we are not going to announce it. And I was like, no, Tim Cook is going to close it. And then when they showed him on the stage in the theater, I knew it was, you know, we were going to get a one more thing, which I, you know, which I think was exciting. So yeah. You know it, it was set up an interesting way. You definitely did have to make it through an hour and a half of oh my god, here's all the shit going on in iOS, watch os, iPad OS, and Mac OS. It was a lot. Um, but then when they launched the trailer, and the first time they, you know, the first shot they showed was of um the woman with you know putting it on with her eyes coming through. I was like, no way, that's real, right? Like that's just like a cgi comp that they did just to make like make it cool Mm -hmm. and then they kept showing it and i was like what what's going on here like is that an actual feature that they're going for and that was so distracting that i felt like i missed definitely a few good points there at the beginning because i was just like what are they doing (laughs) with the front display yeah and then they started getting into it and and yeah the the rest is history i guess but yeah the, it, it, the presentation was was interesting and, and there were a few moments that I just hated altogether. and I think everyone unanimously hates them. Um, and a few moments that I thought were really, really cool, but we can we can get into that.
0: I'd love to hear moments you hated, but yeah, we'll get into it. Um, <laughs> so the I'd heard rumors about exactly what you're describing—the like avatar that pops up in the front—and I guess the idea is like, so you don't feel as isolated, and you still feel like you're connecting with people. And because this is m- intending to be more of like an augmented reality experience, more like MetaQuest Pro and pass through, um, as opposed to pure VR or. Uh, pure AR cuz magic yeah. leap and hololens work totally different from this um i think that idea was to still maintain some connection but my very first reaction when i heard like oh yeah there will be like an avatar or some version of like your eyes that kind of peek through this front display i was like okay but what happens when you're sharing the headset if you're passing this across a bunch of people are they all going to have your avatar or is it going to uh, be like a lightning quick you know um, will it I assume avatar, just like or is it, it actually broadcasting camera
1: feeds from the inside to the outside i don't know yeah, it, I mean, it has to be an avatar, and the, my justification for that is that the outside display is lenticular, right? Like those three D displays we, yeah. um, like, what's it called, like eyeglass, and um, there were a few others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and which is interesting in itself. Like Apple has never used lenticular displays for anything, and I think it's kind of interesting to speculate what else they might, you know, given that they're building this ecosystem, what else might use that? Yeah. Um, but um because it's lenticular you couldn't use a, a standard camera on the inside to capture that view right it would have to be um the avatar yeah so uh, I mean, i'm it. assuming it is it it's clearly very I, I i assume that like it looks good enough here mm-hmm. for it to pull it off right and i remember when they were showing the scan of the guy who had been like scanned in in 3d yeah like it looked good enough that yeah, if most of the face is hidden, it's just the eyes. Yeah, you, you could fool me probably. Yeah, and you'd hope it, Um, like I don't
0: love any of the avatars metas created except for the codec avatars, which are based on this kind of volumetric um, scan that it gets of people. And I, I hope that Apple's headed towards something like that just to be able to cross that uncanny valley would be really, really something special. I also hope because the rumor is that it only has two hours of battery life, yeah. that there could be some ways to save it's, the battery. It's not a rumor, example. it's on Sorry? the
1: site. It's on the website. What is? It's on Apple's website. Two. It's less than two hours. Yeah, it's, exactly. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So it's not there. a rumor. Advertising
0: that. So I yeah. would hope if I live alone, I'm just a lonely guy living in my closet or something, and there's no one around me. I'd like to imagine I could get some battery life back by like disabling that front yeah. display because that is entirely for people around me. <laughs> that's not doing anything for me as a right. user.
1: So yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I. The other thing I wonder with with that. That display is like, what if you go out and get a tan? Like, <laughs> you know, it, are you just going to have like a random area where your skin color just totally doesn't match? I mean, just I mean, like I mean, a tan you,
0: line. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah like I, a mean, I just have this weird
1: like your face. You're like, <laughs> it's going to look wacky. Oh, man. Jeez. Um, yeah, I have so many questions about that. but Yeah, well, this is going to be fun. What Everything we're recording today,
0: I know that in a year, or they said early 2024, so in yeah. less than a year, hopefully, when it comes out, I want to listen back to all the things we're going to say now, because I'm mm-hmm. sure uh, impressions will have changed. Um, one thing I think we should address, elephant in the room, this is the Unreal Engine unofficial podcast. Jacob, I see you're wearing a Unity shirt. Have you decided to switch teams because yeah, of uh, I, some of the announcements you know, yesterday?
1: <laughs> I'm just a fan of whoever is, you know, the most popular. Right? Exactly. But, um, it's, it's like whatever team's winning, right? Uh, no, I mean, I had this in my closet. I felt like if of any day, today was the day to wear it. Um, so, you know, here I am on the unofficial Unreal Engine podcast wearing a Unity shirt. And you know what? Epic still can't sue me. So here we are. That's true. A we're, Unity we're doing a pretty good job now. At, yeah. The unofficial Unreal Engine podcast is a Unity podcast now. That would be pretty
0: funny if we just suddenly <laughs> started talking about Unity all the time. And it's like we're not going to change the name of the podcast.
1: <laughs> it's like you just got to find us. Yeah, yeah. right. You just add it to all the search terms.
0: <laughs> uh, how did you feel? So, uh, actually, I'll start with myself. Um, yeah, yeah, I had yeah. heard the the rumor was that. Uh, out of the box, there wasn't going to be any way to do Unity or Unreal with the uh, Apple Reality Pro. That's what i had been hearing for the past couple of weeks, and that everything was going to have to go through like Swift and, you know, the the more native uh, Apple formats, and that WebXR would be a part of it. So I was ready to go into this, like thinking, okay, everything's going to have to go through WebXR for Unity or Unreal. But then when they made the actual like, oh, no, we're like, very well partnered with Unity for this. I was like, oh, any word about Unreal and like nope, nothing in the keynote, nothing in their presentation. There's nothing uh, in Epic's documentation or anything about this. Uh, so yeah, curious what your thoughts were.
1: I my feeling is that what happened. Well, I in the end, I do not think Apple is going to be able to restrict um, Epic from adding this device as a you know execution target. Yeah. I just don't think that makes sense or w- would make sense in the context of their developer ecosystem or how like their their SDKs, APIs work.
0: And this Doesn't is a powerful sense. headset. Like you'd wanna use the power of how good Unreal Engine can look on this.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't really believe that they would restrict it. I also don't believe like they're gonna hand this device to someone like Disney, who is like all in on Unreal Engine in real yeah. time. And say, yeah, you can only use Unity now. I I, I don't believe that. Mm. What I what my guess is that happened is they signed a you know a, a partnership with Unity to make it a focus of the presentation and of the first you know eight, nine months of development, right? Because this is not coming out till next year. Yeah. So my assumption is that they're they've signed a deal saying we're only gonna ship. Like support initial like developer kit support for Unity, so that for the first you know Unity will have a full year head start or you know full eight months, whatever it is head start in the developer ecosystem for people to come in and start using Unity to to develop apps for this right. Mm-hmm. So all the initial tooling will be there. You know all of the you know uh, uh, nice to have. You know this like uh, um, they're creating a virtual. You know, developer environment. I, that's all going to be Unity, I'm assuming. Yeah. And then, as soon as this device gets launched, I'm sure it will be available on Unreal. Yeah. Right? I I hope so that's true. I think uh, that's probably true. And if it's not, I, well, I, the reason I think Epic has been silent is because a they don't want to like either they don't want to piss off Apple and make it uh, a situation where they have to like start a war to to get support for this thing because i'm sure they want to be a part of it to some extent um but i think more likely they had already spoken with epic i think apple's already spoken with epic about and i have no insider information here by the way folks this is total speculation um apple's already uh, spoken to to epic about it and the agreement was that they weren't gonna have any conversations about it until some point in the future, at which point they would be, uh, you know, uh, allowed to, you know, develop apps for the marketplace or whatever market. But you know, there's, I, I bet there's some sort of agreement. Otherwise, Epic, I'm assuming would have commented or we would have heard whispers. But I, it's been dead silent, from what I can hear, from folks at Epic, from folks on the Unreal Engine team, and I, I'm just assuming that that's just indicative of, of you know this is a PR play and everything will be okay
0: uh so real quick I just want to know does this mean anything to you
1: <laughs> yeah I saw this I saw it. I think this was him just making fun of it but uh yeah yeah
0: yeah I just th- this is literally the closest thing to an official response from <laughs>
1: epic I've seen yeah is to the swan, I saw the that, that and, yeah I, I just think he's being cheeky I he's like being cheeky.
0: Yeah. And uh, I've been waiting for some kind of official word from Epic. Now, I do want to point out, uh, let's talk about the Unreal Engine side of this for a moment, and then we can go back into the the other more relevant things at the moment. But um, I have seen some people point out that there is a page in Epic's documentation called Apple Vision. And so a lot of people were like, aha, it's supported. Um, Did a little research into this. The Apple Vision in the documentation has actually been there for a little while. And that is another Apple feature that has existed for a while. So Apple Vision yeah, is okay. different. That's a feature different from the Apple Vision Pro. Uh, so just to be clear, that little thing in documentation has nothing to do with this new headset, yeah. lest people get too excited right off the bat.
1: Interesting. I, I hadn't heard of that.
0: Yeah. Now, when people say... Let's imagine that Epic decide or that Apple decides to keep being mad at, at Tim Sweeney and Epic and is like, We are going to artificially stop anything from Epic to, from being on here, or they do something weird where it's like, we'll let Disney do things in Unreal Engine, but we won't let like regular developers. Um, some people have been wondering, hey, is there any way that we might be able to do the equivalent of like sideloading or or sneaking our content onto here? Uh, first of all, no word on, on how like sideloading might work. Hopefully it's kind of like an iPhone and it's not that hard. But if it's like blocked from the app store, Um, I think the best path developers will have to getting Unreal Engine content onto here will actually be two things, WebXR with pixel streaming and uh, NVIDIA CloudXR. Let's start with NVIDIA CloudXR. So CloudXR 4.0 is about to come out. And one of the releases NVIDIA has been advertising here is the ability to actually make a Unity app for CloudXR. So how does that help Unreal? Well, uh, we know that there's already a good partnership here with um, Unity and um Apple and in theory you know this Unity app would be something that you could get onto the Apple store although mm-hmm. Meta might have the same policy sorry Apple might have the same policy as Meta and be like no apps that have anything to do with the cloud but barring that basically what the CloudXR app does for anyone who hasn't been following the podcast is it lets you connect to another computer like a Windows computer and run an application from there so you could actually use this Unity based CloudXR app to connect to a cloud service, like, I don't know, CoreWeaver or something like that, and to run a Windows executable on it, which could actually be Unreal Engine. So that's option one. Option two would actually be to use the new experimental in 5.2 uh, WebXR pixel streaming feature, which allows you to basically go into a browser and connect to a WebXR experience, which Apple did announce, is going to be supported. WebXR, thumbs up, uh, hand tracking and all that good stuff. We'll talk about inputs more in a bit. And um they said it'll that be WebXR, supported in Safari on be
1: there in Safari. Sorry? They said it would be supported on this headset, WebXR would? Yes. Yeah, there's already a
0: page talking about WebXR being
1: supported. So that's good.
0: And yeah, 5.2 has experimental pixel streaming for WebXR, which means that you can have a computer, real or a virtual machine, um, that is streaming Unreal Engine and actually can go in through WebXR, which means not using an app at all, just completely bypassing an app store or sideloading. And you're just going to your browser and you're typing in mywebsite.com slash cool Unreal Engine experience, and then you click. A button and now you're in that XR experience. So that is still very experimental, but we have you know a little less than a year to uh, to develop that. And and the folks at TensorWorks are the ones who released the first iteration of this. And I think if this starts to look like a viable way to get uh, good Unreal Engine content onto the Apple uh, Vision Pro, probably going to uh, see that pick up because right now it has problems with like latency and things like that. But yep. this could supercharge supercharge the development
1: of that uh, deployment method. You know, one thing that just came to my head, and I, I promise we will jump right back on what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Have, have, has anyone experimented yet with running the Unreal Engine VR editor in WebXR pixel streaming? That's a good question. That would huh. be cool. Yeah,
0: because for those who don't know, the Unreal Engine editor now works with pixel streaming. I have it's never even occurred to me, Jacob, to try to activate VR mode, formerly known as the VR editor, uh, using that. That's that's that a really fascinating
1: cool. question. That would be pretty cool. All right, sorry, yeah. sorry. But but back to the topic. I I did not know that WebXR is officially supported. That's pretty cool. And and what definitely gets me excited is, you know, it's clear that they're actually looking to support a good web browser experience, yeah. you know, uh, as part of like one of the key kind of productivity features. Um, You know, they announced also like the Safari apps concept, which I assume was developed for the headset, Hmm. um, where it's like a, it takes a web page and then simplifies the, you know, menus and tabs Um, I assume it's, it was primarily for the headset, but that means like, they're actually going to focus in on making that a decent experience, which also means like delivering WebXR content, I think is going to be a hell of a lot better, Mm -hmm. um, than, you know, it is on Quest where it's just like a side thought. It's like another, like in the closet, you know, just like Chromium app, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's really cool. Um, and then, uh, the, the other option, you know, uh, CloudXR for sure. I mean, that, I think Nvidia has has probably been you know anticipating this sort of thing for a while, or or hoping that this sort of thing would happen, um, or and take off. Uh, I, I think it's very cool. Um, I, I I do really I, I don't really believe that Apple has either or wants to or has even the legal ability to you know prevent Epic from developing for the device, like. They can prevent them for from reaching the app store, mm-hmm. right? Like if there is an app store for this device, which I assume there will be. Yeah, like, and they so, already announced
0: that this is a totally separate app store from the, uh, the app store that you get
1: on an iPhone too. And they can also, you know, in theory, prevent uh, um, Epic personally from having a developer license, yeah. right? I don't believe they can prevent every Unreal Engine developer from having a developer license for this mm. device, or Maybe. being able to publish to the App Store. Like Epic and Fortnite, that's Fortnite belongs to Epic. Epic is the the person, you know, the publisher of the application. Yeah. But because Unreal Engine is a tool that can be used, I don't think they legally have, you know, or at least they would be at risk of lawsuit. Uh, you know, if they tried to prevent every Unreal Engine, you know, developer from posting to the App Store, and like,
0: it doesn't right. make sense. But yeah. what I will
1: say is that, like, with a two-hour battery life, and remember, this runs on on Metal, right? Yeah. Which is the graphics API, which historically has not performed very well, right? It's gotten a lot better, but it also is not compatible with everything. Um, like I, it has not reached full feature level in Unreal Engine or Unity as far as I'm aware, right? That's that's a problem. Though I will say actually, now that I think of it, there have been a lot of recent um, release notes on Metal support Yes, and uh, native Mac Silicon support in yep. Unreal Engine, which is also interesting. Um, everyone was like, why are you releasing this? Well, maybe this is why, I don't know. Mm-hmm um but uh yeah just remember this is metal so the performance is not going to be incredible um so my assumption is that you know webxr might still be a much better platform and it, you could even imagine situations where you might even be streaming applications from like your macbook or mm-hmm. other devices you know your home computer right um and how that ecosystem could fit together could be quite interesting
0: yeah, um it, it, going back to our last episode too, where we talked a lot about the 5.2 release notes, there's a lot of release notes in there about Mac support for the editor and uh, M2 and yeah, silicon, all that stuff. Um, I'm curious too, yeah, because when you think about something like the MetaQuest ecosystem, they allow Airlink and there's a virtual desktop and there's all these ways to yeah. stream. Uh, a more powerful experience to the headset. Now, the onboard uh, processing of the, the Apple Vision Pro is actually very powerful, much more powerful than something like a MetaQuest Pro. And yet, I do wonder if they are going to allow for streaming from another computer, Windows or Mac, anything like that, uh, because that's really the only way you're going to reach a certain caliber of experience.
1: Well, they, they showed an example of, um, you know you can put your MacBook on the table and if you look at your MacBook, right? It automatically mm. creates a virtual display for you, right? And you can do whatever you want on that, right? You can parsec into some machine or, mm. open up, you know, you can stream whatever you want to that device. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's what I, I would love this for. I mean, I, I carry around like a, a nice, you know, a, a small 12 inch MacBook Air because it's super light yeah. and I just use VDIs and virtual machines all over the place. And so it would be really great if I, you know, could just have that small machine and in a practical way, actually be productive on it in a bigger, like that's always been the dream of some of these headsets, right? But Quest or uh, all the Oculus or meta headsets, you know, they did everything they could to kill remote desktop and all these other apps, (laughs) right? And so that never fully matured. And, you know, no one else has really mastered that. If this is actually a decent experience, it could be really, really cool right? Because this is something that I think a lot of people want. And the fact is, like, if the pass through was good enough where you can see your MacBook screen, and you can see the big screen, and you can see your keyboard, and, and you can like actually be productive in it, that's huge, right? Like, that, that to me is a reason to buy this device. If you're a, you know, if you're on the road a lot, traveling a lot, and you need to carry around a a work setup or, you know, stuff like that, I, I think this is super compelling. Yeah.
0: Now, sorry, uh, I want to get to this discussion about um, 2D and how we're spatializing 2D things as opposed to having more 3D content. Because my initial reaction to everything you're saying is like, great, sounds like we can like Chromecast into our uh, uh, sessions and and you know use the equivalent of like remote desktop and Parsec, but can we actually get a 3D immersive experience? Put a yeah. pin in that. I just want to wrap up the previous discussion with a question of um, Fortnite. And my understanding is in the midst of the Apple lawsuit, Apple with Epic, Apple had said that Fortnite would be allowed back on the iOS store if you know they went back to the right kind of like profit sharing model that Apple wants. My understanding is Fortnite is still not back on the iOS store. Do you have any idea
1: why that is? Um I mean, I think Epic just doesn't want to fold to their, you know, their demands, but I also mm. think they probably forced a pretty good partnership with I think it's Microsoft that yes, uh, that's right that it's, it's part of the game pass or, or whatever. Um, I mean, I, I I get the feeling like if you could continue doing that and not have to pay Apple's fees, like why would you stop, right? Like- yeah,
0: um, I'm looking by the way at an email or a, a message from uh, September 22nd. This is on Epic Games' uh, blog, so like official. And the headline is Apple lied and breaks its promise to allow Fortnite back on the iOS store under its rules. Um, Apple spent a year telling the world and the court and the press that they would welcome Epic's return to the App Store if they agreed to play by the same rules as everyone else. Epic agreed, but now Apple is reneged in another abuse of its monopoly power over a billion users. And just last week, Epic agreed Apple would play by the same rules as everyone else. Late last night, Apple informed Epic that Fortnite will be blacklisted from the Apple ecosystem until the exhaustion of all court appeals, which could be as long as a five-year process. Wow. So that sounds kind of bitter.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds like they really pissed them off. Yeah. Um, Which is expected. I mean, but I think they especially pissed them off because they didn't lose yeah. terribly. You know, like I think Apple is very much used to winning those kinds of, of court cases.
0: Yeah. Um, the most expensive lawyers in the world. They can yeah. get you a lot. Um, But yeah, like as you mentioned with the Microsoft deal, that's kind of what would be the method for bypassing things if if things stay sticky on this device. So yeah, uh, Epic has this nice partnership with Microsoft. So through like Xbox Cloud Gaming, you can play Fortnite on an iPad or on... Um, an iPhone uh, easily uh, just by using the cloud computer and it works actually pretty well. So certainly something similar could happen inside this device as we were describing with uh, cloud XR or or something through
1: like WebXR pixel
0: streaming. So there are did, definitely options there.
1: Did Meta ever allow Xbox game Pass on the device on the Quest devices? <sighs>
0: Good point. Yeah, because they made that announcement back in October. They showed like videos of, you know, here's Xbox yeah. Game Pass like working there. And I don't know if that's actually come out yet. I'm going to do a quick Google of it. Uh, nope. Oh, wait. Uh, March 11th, 2023, Xbox VR Game Pass is here. So in March, it happened. Um, but I haven't, so I can't see any like examples recently, of actually yeah. doing it.
1: <laughs> oh, side quests. It's, you have to sideload
0: it. You have to sideload it? That's silly because it was an official meta announcement. Yeah. Like, why would they make so, it? So, I mean, it? yeah,
1: yeah. So, if, if... <laughs> it's ridiculous, um, like it, if Apple actually just allowed, well, I think it's also because you can't connect a controller to the Quest either, right? You oh, you can't? Oh, I always assumed that you could do that with Bluetooth or something. Okay. You used to be able to connect the Xbox controller to the original Oculus.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I know that. Yeah. In fact, it the, came the riff, with one. The, the CV1 2016 edition of Oculus came with an Xbox controller, yeah. which I still have. It's literally this one right on my desk wow. that came with that uh, edition. Now, it's my understanding that iOS officially has like a partnership with Sony and that like a PlayStation controller works pretty well uh, with an iPhone. Do you think something like a PlayStation controller could also be set up to work with uh, the vision pro Uh,
1: they showed it in, in the nine. So there's the nine minute trailer on YouTube, which has like extra clips in it. And there was a clip of someone with the PS five controller playing a game Uh uh, where that game was like being rendered. I don't know. That was not made clear to us. It would be really nice or i i my few guesses would be either this is an xbox game pass kind of situation or sony i think sony has a similar streaming service where you can stream from your ps5 yep that would be a pretty big partnership deal and i don't know i feel like we might have heard about that in this announcement if that was the case yeah I think the other possible i mean another I'm not going to call impossible solutions that Apple wants to come up with their own cloud gaming service, but that seems fairly unlikely. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, they
0: do have Apple Arcade and I could imagine like a streaming version of that.
1: Yeah, but they're not too good with publishers typically. Mm -hmm. So like how many game publishers want to play by their rules uh, versus other PC platforms? And that's pretty like no one's going to pay 30% out of pocket to publish their game to this device Mm -hmm. if they can get i don't know what it is on in the epic game store now what 12 right 16 percent, right like that's a lot of money to lose just to get it to this device so unless they completely change their revenue model which they seem totally uninterested in doing i don't see that happening um it's not possible but it seems unlikely Mm -hmm. it feels like they would also come out with their own controller for that oh, that'd be
0: interesting. Yeah, I've never seen um, Apple try to do that before. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I think more likely it's it could be something like Xbox Game Pass, they have played nice with Microsoft before, mm-hmm. um, or it could be just like streaming from your MacBook or yeah. some other um stuff. okay
0: so let's talk a little bit then about the apps that were shown and the input method because yeah. most people who are using vr nowadays um are doing it for gaming i think there's a statistic out there like 98 of the apps being used in the meta quest ecosystem are for games not enterprise despite uh meta quest pros push for like horizon workrooms and all that um, games are social
1: right like uh, right, VR Chat and those. yeah,
0: Rec Room and Rec Room. Dead and Buried and all these different Dead. games. Like that's how most people make their money. Beat Saber, um, selling yep. things like that. And we didn't really see Apple attempting to say like, "Here's our Beat Saber. Here's our game that's going to make people really want to, you know, put on this headset and and bounce around for you know thirty minutes or whatever." Um, it seemed to be much more like these are the apps you already know. Here's a lot of apps that you already see on the iOS store. And now we're going to uh, take that flat app and for the most part, still keep it flat, but make it like nice and big and easy to see and, and have a new kind of input and interaction method um, in your space. How did that feel to you?
1: I I think they needed to tell a relatable story to, their, to the kinds of people who buy Apple devices, right? Yeah. Um, the kinds of people who buy Apple devices are very, there's a wide range of people who buy, the, who, who buy an Apple Watch or an iPhone or an iPad or AirPods, right? Like a lot of people own these devices. They are the largest consumer electronics company on the planet. Their customer base is not just gamers. It's not just this, right? They have to find use cases that everyone on their platform is familiar with and is interested in for them to like, in my opinion, for them to have sold this device, right? I I think the the focus, having the focus taken away from games was definitely purposeful. Mm -hmm. The fact that they, you know, didn't, you know, uh, include any controllers, also purposeful. They want people to commit to, you know, the input methods that they've worked on. Mm-hmm. And they know that if they shipped a controller, everyone would use that as a crutch and no one would use the touch controls. No one would use the eye tracking. You know, like it would just, everyone would just fall back to what they've already done. Right. And they also want developers to actually think about how their apps fit into this new device instead of just porting them. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's I think a lot to do that. Yeah,
0: and it's a lot like, you know, the the transition from something like a Blackberry to the iPhone, where people were like, what? There's no keyboard? There's just this one home button? And if they had included a keyboard, then people would have used that. They wouldn't have done as much with uh, the touchscreen, but Apple really did force people to adapt a new kind of input method, and that was for the better. Um, And I do think this is a lot like that iPhone moment because, you know, this device is going to be expensive. It's uh, it's not going to be for everyone. And it's probably going to do some things well and some things not, but that's the story of a lot of uh, Apple products right out of the gate. Yeah. We can talk about the iPhone. We can talk about the first iPod. We can talk about the Macintosh and uh, they were innovative products that only got better over time. And with each iteration and the price was able to go down and, I think about things like the fact that the first iPhone was not a very good phone. Like it wasn't great at actually taking and receiving and maintaining a call. But again, all the pieces were there. So I think we'll see something um, similar here. And it sounds like this is also a classic Apple product in the fact that not a lot here is new. Most things here are things that other companies have figured out or done. We see things from Leap Motion and Magic Leap and Meta all being like polished here in a way where all the reviews I'm seeing of people who have gotten to try the headset is they're like, yeah, it's like the things these other companies have done, but done really well, like done with... Uh, a level of polish that we've never seen before we've seen lots of hand tracking we see pretty good hand tracking for MetaQuest. people still talk about the fatigue and how tired you get if you're doing the minority report thing and have your hands up in the air and there's like nine different gestures you're supposed to do and you're doing this for the home menu and this to scroll and this seems dead simple it's like the best eye tracking you've ever seen your eyes are the cursor you look at a thing you're resting your hand on your leg and you're just giving like a little pinch when you want to click and everyone's like after doing this for a couple minutes it felt totally natural i wasn't thinking about this as an input method anymore and it seems to be at that level of intuitiveness that yeah. like swipe and pinch and these things very quickly caught on is like yeah that feels totally natural to me
1: i i was very surprised to hear how good the gesture stuff was right mm-hmm. like because it took uh you know oculus and meta a long time for that to mature because they needed like data they needed like people to actually use the device to to calibrate the to calibrate it and to train their models and all that my bet is that they've been hacking at this for a long time and i don't i i don't know how they've gotten away with you know shipping this kind of model that works so well and has not been in people's hands for that at all you know like the the general consumer. That's pretty amazing. Honestly. Yeah.
0: There were a few um, things they said during the keynote and I can only remember one of them where they're like, we've tested this on thousands of heads. And like, there were a couple other things where they talked about like thousands of whatever. Well, and they like, have a lot hey, of employees. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, was it all employees? Did they bring in focus groups and like blindfold them and be like, we just need your head. We're uh, yeah, like, yeah, and same 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 thing with the hands and all that. But clearly they've gotten a lot of data Somehow, maybe it's AI, maybe it's machine learning, maybe it's gathered from other sources. We know yeah. they've acquired some companies. We know that they've taken a lot of employees from Magic Leap and Apple and Leap Motion, and, or sorry, Magic Leap and, and Meta and Leap Motion, and some of these other companies that they're clearly uh, polishing the methods from. So, you know, they are standing on the shoulders of all the other work that's been done over the past oh, 10 for years. Sure. But they're doing it at a level of of polish that um, I think will bring a lot of people into this ecosystem who previously just haven't been interested.
1: Right, yeah. I, I mean, the, 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 that stood out to me for, for the reasons I, I just mentioned, but like the hardware, you knew that they were going to get right, right? Like they have the manufacturing capabilities, the experience with industrial design and, you know, like, they now have control of their own silicon instruction sets, platform, everything like they were going to get the hardware, right? Like that's, yes. you know, they have the ability to do that because they can operate at such a big scale. Yeah. Um, and they're not afraid to release a $3,500 dev- device, or I guarantee you the majority of the costs is in those two displays because no one else is manufacturing those, right? Like yeah. if you go to the quest devices and you look at those displays, Those are displays that are manufactured for other things most of the time, Yeah. right? And, you know, meta comes in and don't get me wrong, buys a lot of them, they might be able to make changes to the spec, but they're not, you know, no one is going to spin up a custom production line for them for a new device. Yeah. Apple comes in, they make their own rules. They can, you know, they own so much manufacturing capacity and they have such good relationships with those, you know, with, with companies overseas and in the US to do that, that like they can go out and, and create hardware that no one else can. Not to mention the, you know I, yeah, the custom silicon, like uh, Meta has been struggling with Qualcomm and their XR platforms, right? The XR2 and the fact that their latest device had the same chip in it, and everyone's like, what's going on? Yeah, It's like, well, they don't have control over that. It's Qualcomm's silicon. And they can make suggestions. They can make changes. Don't get me wrong. I get the feeling that Meta would have the biggest say mm-hmm. in Qualcomm. But at the end of the day, it's Qualcomm.
0: Yeah. And that same chip gets used in a Pico headset and other hardware, and it's not exclusive to the one company.
1: Yeah. And yeah. that's an advantage Apple is always going to have, right? And, and that's that. So, so some of the things like the fit and finish and the displays being really good, like that doesn't surprise me so much. But like the fact that it works so well with hand gestures, the fact that like pass through, it seems like it's really solid.
0: Apparently, you can read your phone through the pass through, which, mean, which means it's super yeah. sharp.
1: Yeah, I, I, I had a coworker who said he, he had a friend at Apple who said there's no screen door. And like I was like, OK, well, I mean, if they were going to ace anything, that was going to be it. Um, but it's definitely surprising to see some other things it seems that they execute really well on. No one is talking about tracking, as far as I can tell. Did you hear anyone talk about the quality of the tracking in three, 3D three space or how many degrees of freedom even this was? Oh, I, it has to be six degrees of freedom. I mean, that I haven't heard anyone confirm it. Yeah, yeah, but like
0: if you if you put a, a movie screen on your wall or something, like it would be insane if you like lean forward and then it, it just goes into the wall because it doesn't know where it is in the space. Well, um, that being said, yeah. what I have heard is that no one has really gotten sick from it. And like the demos haven't been that long. There was a, a thing on Good Morning America um, where the woman going through the tour was like, yeah, I was in there for 30 minutes. I saw a ton of stuff, uh, didn't feel nauseous at all. So like, I think if anything in there was three off, that would kind of be impossible to be in there for 30 minutes and not feel ill because she was clearly like moving around and, and checking things out. Um, but you are making me wonder. And again, like I need to go w- back and watch like the nine minute trailer. Was there a lot of people like walking around a space or was it mostly no. them like sitting in a couch or it standing was in one place? 80,
1: 90% people sitting down, which is yeah. suspicious to me every time, right? And when you did have people standing up, it was not in the full immersive mode, right? Because they have that dial Mm-hmm. that is for transitioning between yeah. you know, fully immersive and just the ar overlay right mm-hmm. and like even the early hololens had you know oh you can position a screen in 3d space but that was not the same thing as you know real-time 6 doff because you know there would be delay and it would drift and like, yeah. you know it, it was not the same it's not the same thing um you know in theory there are way more than enough cameras on this thing to handle, you know, uh, uh, this kind of tracking. I just don't know how good it is because no one's commented on
0: it. Yeah, and it's not—it's not a trivial question because I think if you look at, you know, MetaQuest Pro pass through, and you're like, oh yeah, I can move through space and it feels really good. Meta has done a ton of work to use like space warp and time warp and get that stuff to feel good. And sometimes when I go back to using like a Vive, I'm always rooting for Vive. They're kind of the underdog for a lot of these things, but it doesn't feel as good. Like the tracking and Vive always, unless I'm using lighthouses and all the standalone Vive devices, the movement of being in a Vive, the tracking always feels noticeably worse than a meta device and so yeah i'm glad you brought that up jacob because it is very possible that apple might not yet have that level of of polish or or development in the tracking to make it feel super smooth um, i certainly hope they have and it seems like in 99 percent of what they're doing here they are doing it better than
1: everyone else but i guess we'll see Like, this could be the kind of thing where it's in this next year, they're going to have developers out with, you know, their phones with LiDAR on it, scanning rooms for them and, you know, starting to collect or collecting that information. It's totally possible that this is just something they're going to polish it over the next nine months. And when they launch the device, we'll get a huge gaming, you know, focus. We'll get all sorts of shit, you know, around that. It's definitely possible. Um, I just... Yeah, it was very suspicious to me that everyone was sitting down even though like most of the use cases they were showing you know make more sense sitting down and, and honestly I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, i should be clear because i do think the the most of the experiences that you're going to want this device for are sitting down even if you could game like i have enough headsets for yeah. gaming. i i don't need another gaming headset i need something else right i need FaceTime and iMessage and a good browser experience. I need something I can actually do work in, you know. Like, and I, I think they know that. So, you know, it might have just not been a focus, or maybe it's just not something they're showing, you know, uh, uh, in in this early look. But it was it was very suspicious to me that no one's talking about the tracking at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm a good example too of someone who loves VR, spends a lot of time in VR. I actually don't game that much in VR. I probably spend way more time on my Steam Deck and my PS5 um, than playing games in VR. And when I am in VR, it's usually for enterprise use cases. It's these things where we're looking at architecture or doing like live theater things where it's very specific to... Um, something that can only run well in VR. But gaming is still something where the the lack of friction in in just, yeah, grabbing a Steam Deck and playing something for 15 minutes and then clicking it off again often steers me toward that rather than like booting up my headset. Oh, this game has to update. Oh, I got to charge my controller, switch the battery. And then, yeah, doing the thing for a little bit. Um, so I am curious what's going to happen there. Uh, something I would like to talk about for a moment is uh, how this is kind of building on some of the work by other companies. Because I saw Roni Abovitz, who was formerly the CEO and founder of Magic Leap, uh, had commented after the presentation was like, it looks like a greatest hits album of other people's work. And I'm sure he's thinking a lot about the stuff they've done at Magic Leap. But going back to what you're just saying, for example, about manufacturing, Apple just unfortunately is in a much better position to do a lot of this stuff better than other companies. So like, Let's flash back to 2018. Uh, Magic Leap has these incredible concept videos. Um, they release a, a simulator, something that you can actually use to like prototype building apps, which by the way was out for Unreal and Unity. Maybe in the show notes, I'll post a video to uh the video I came out with for using the Magic Leap simulator to prototype things in like March of 2018. And uh ultimately uh they were doing it, in my opinion, they were trying to do too much. They were a new team that was like trying to uh Forge a path ahead with so many different things. They were creating their own OS. They'd never made yeah. an OS before, they're creating new hardware they were trying to onboard developers into a totally new ecosystem. And they were doing all that by selling a vision, which they still were not confident they could actually miniaturize. The way they raised so much money was by showing what the headset could do when it weighed 3,000 pounds and being like, we are going to find a way to make this smaller. And a lot of people watching the keynote were like, oh, maybe this is Apple falling to the same Uh, mistakes that Magic Leap did, and they're showing this polished concept video, and it's not actually going to be like that. But then that was immediately, um, you know, those concerns were alleviated by all the people from the press who were like, no, I tried the headset. And except for like, maybe the pass through not being quite as crystal clear as like what you see in those videos, like, it feels like that experience, it's intuitive, and it feels immersive and comfortable, and just very well thought out. And everyone seems to agree that the UX in particular, just the experience of putting on the headset, and clicking on things and moving through just feels far and away more comfortable than anything anyone else has done so far.
1: Yeah, I I mean, um, yeah, I remember the Magic Leap days when everyone was talking about them building their own OS and how crazy that was given, you know, even Facebook and Meta had gone out and just used Android, which was way more sane. Because if you build your own OS, you need to bootstrap the entire developer stack. You need to bootstrap all sorts of crazy shit. It made no sense for them to go out and build an OS for this device, for or well, really for a hardware device that didn't even really exist, right? Like you're, you're building an OS for a device that doesn't exist and you think that's all just going to work out. Well, no, that's insane, right? Apple, of course, coming in with decades of experience building software and OSs and they have all their design UI, UX patterns, They're the best in the world at this stuff. Like, it's totally not surprising to me that they've aced it. I I do think people are so scarred, though, by Magic Leap and Meta that those, uh, you know, all those feelings of, you know, the whale jumping in the gym (laughs) came back, right? You're like, oh, shit, this could just be totally fake. And, you know, I think that's going to continue for a device this expensive until you get your hands on one. Um, so I, I I'm very intrigued as to how like they're gonna handle their like in-store like trials and like how people are gonna get a chance to see it and, and va- validate their expectations, but it sounds
0: like in the immediate future, it's going to be really hard to try one. They they mentioned a few cities in the world you'll be able to go to to uh, see it. And I was like, New York City? And it's like, no, Cupertino, literally the only place in the United States you'll be able to go to try out the device for yourself. But then they'll have a program where it's like you can submit your app and like someone in Cupertino will like try out your app and give you feedback. But it's like, it's man, like, like mechanical turret for VR testing.
1: Dead. Oh, my God. Yeah. But
0: like I, if they actually will not let devs get their hand on this before January of next year, like that is going to suck. Like the best thing Apple could do if they want third party apps to really rock this ecosystem, it's to make these dev kits available in whatever form they can as soon as possible and to let people go wild. Because, yeah, there are going to be things like Beat Saber, certain kinds of apps yeah. like, like what Twitter did on the iPhone, third party app. Um, to be able to really supercharge the reasons people are going to want to buy this headset, um, that's up to the developers. So the more Apple can support
1: them, the better off they'll be. I I honestly highly, highly doubt they will. Really? Yeah, they will not have a developer program. I think they're going to ship devices to a few select people. Mm. Unity. Yeah. Unity will have a few, I'm sure, because I'm sure Unity has been cooking up some game experience or something they would be stupid if they weren't
0: right
1: (laughs) they're obviously giving one to disney apparently right i there were rumors about like ken feige developing content for this and you know there was stuff like that there was the what if announcement which is still part of disney but yeah if you remember the iphone moment right they had the app store but there were only like when you first bought the device, yeah, it was just that first page with photos, contacts, <laughs> phone, notes. And then
0: someone was like, calculator. flashlight app. We're just going to turn the, the light yeah. on all the time. The first
1: <laughs> year was like the beer app where you like yeah. pretend to drink yeah. beer. And like, it took a long time <laughs> for that ecosystem to develop. And it didn't all the we didn't need the beer drinking app on day one like no one <laughs> thinks that right yeah. what you needed was a device that worked really i mean this is like the difference between an amazon amazon uh, sorry uh, an apple and a android platform is like android but their approach is like oh it's open any developer can submit anything and so when you pick up your device you get so overwhelmed with options that you can't like Analysis, you can't understand it. it. You can't figure out how it's useful to you. And you just get, and when an app crashes, you're just yeah. like, fuck this, I'm done, right? So what they want, I'm sure, is just like, they're going to have that one page of apps that you can, you want to use on a daily basis. And then everything else that comes after, right? So I, I think if anything, this next, you know, nine, 12 months, whatever it's going to be, like they're going to have the simulator there to get developers interested in the ecosystem and at least prepare them to some extent uh so that it's n- so that there's not a huge delay right after the, they release the device between because it is much different than like an iphone i guess than yeah. what developers might be used to um but i'm i'm assuming they will ship no developer devices except mm. for specific companies
0: do you think on this app store, we're still going to see apps that cost like a dollar or because the headset is so expensive and in theory, a lot fewer people will have it. Do you think we're going to see all the apps be like at least $20? I
1: I get the feeling it's, I mean, the app model is pretty dead, right? Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think you as a developer get your application on this device to enable your own you know, subscription software ecosystems, right? Mm. So like the Autodesks of the world yeah. have a lot, I would imagine, have interest in, you know, making sure that their platform has a presence on this. So that when you think of are are once they had this, this, pre, this like part of the presentation where someone like opened a USDZ file in I iMessage. message. Mm. And I was like, no one has ever sent me a USD file, not yet, yeah. message ever. Yeah. And I don't imagine anyone ever will, right? <laughs> um, Here's the Moana that, scene
0: from Pixar. Why,
1: like, why would that make sense? Like, why would I be on my iPhone or, you know, MacBook working on these files? Well, I wouldn't, right? Like, But if you're Autodesk and you have an interest in enabling your ecosystem and you have some way of like, you know, they have their own, you know, cloud storage products where you yeah. can put on the headsets and open up your projects and visualize them, right? Like that's a free service you'd offer to Mm -hmm. enable, you know, people who already use your applications, but yeah, I I don't see a whole lot of use in like $2 utilities for devices, $3,500, like, yeah. That to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's not the bottom of the barrel consumer. Yeah.
0: And I don't think many apps on uh, mag- the Magic Leap store or Magic Leap World as it's called or the HoloLens store probably were very profitable. It just doesn't feel like the right place for that. But yes, exactly. As you say, any company that just kind of enhances their larger subscription and software suite by having yeah. options that are also on there and it's just included as part of a larger package. I think there's a lot of potential on uh, that front. And by the way, seeing the USDs z thing or whatever my immediate thought is like oh is this gonna be like the flash moment where apple like kills gltf or something where they're like no we don't like gltf it will never be allowed. Uh, on the that's I thought of that. something like that yeah. yeah and for those who don't know like yeah steve jobs one day was like no flash like is too heavy like it overheats you know the iphone uh no 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 more flash and then like suddenly half the
1: internet died <laughs> yeah the, their vindictiveness over flash was insane Oh yeah. was it vindictiveness did they feel uh,
0: like angry it was, about it it was
1: a decade of everyone begging them to bring it to the platform yeah. and well after Steve Jobs was dead wow. they said no because they had they they said quicktime and blah 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 and then, honestly i mean you know, as far as i'm concerned it made sense like it sucked it didn't really have a whole lot of capabilities it yeah. was a software package that introduced viruses all over the place like yeah honestly I'm fine with that one, sure. but like uh, GLTF if I want.
0: <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah. Um, I want to talk about something that I think is actually pretty clever, uh, especially for anyone who hasn't been spending a lot of time in the XR ecosystem for a long time. So this particular price that they launched at $3,500 uh, to the average person who knows nothing, they're like, wow, that's expensive. If they do a little bit of research, they might uh, realize things like, you know, the very first, Uh, cell phone was $4,000 in 1983, which would be $12,000 in today's dollars. And of course that price went down. But for anyone who has a cursory glance at at this whole ecosystem, they might say, oh, actually $3,500. Well, I remember Magic Leap was $3,300. And actually, if you buy like the pro edition of Magic Leap, it's $4,100. And then HoloLens 1 costs $3,000 or $5,000 for the pro edition and HoloLens 2. $3,500. So you see like these augmented reality headsets and you're like, okay, well, I guess this is actually competitive with them. And by putting you in that headspace of like, it's like these other augmented reality headsets, it gets you thinking about augmented reality, but this is not an augmented reality device. They're using the term mixed reality, which Windows already made very confusing years ago because Windows mixed reality was actually VR. But ultimately, this is like a MetaQuest Pro. It's a premium version of that because it is entirely screens. You are not actually getting any clear view of the real world, which to be clear, both Magic Leap and HoloLens and Tilt 5 to throw them into the mix, they cost $350. They all give you the real world with a digital overlay. So, you know, pass-through is definitely a compromise. And the reason I'm sure they're doing that is because of the physics constraints and, and just all the challenges that come with doing something like a HoloLens or a Magic Leap headset where you need to render this additional layer of content on top of the real world with the sun and brightness is is really hard to control. Um, What I saw, and I, I wonder if this is true, someone did like a breakdown of all the parts it takes to actually make the Apple uh, ProVision, and they said it cost about $1,500 to manufacture. And so you say, like, wow, a $2,000 markup for this first pass? And I have my own theories, but I'm curious to hear you, Jacob. I'm like, if it does cost $1,500 to manufacture, why sell it for $3,500?
1: Well, I I mean, we knew, for example, that Meta lost money on every Quest that they sold. Still do, yeah. And that was because they were trying to work their way into the consumer electronics market and they were trying to overcome other competitors in an early market so that they could be the big name in ARVR right and so they were willing to lose the money up front because they assumed that their application epo- ecosystem just like the iPhone razors and bla- you know razor blades whatever you want to call it they knew they thought that that was going to be what actually made them was the the app store the marketplace right um, and so they they did everything they could to get the, the headsets in people's hands and developers hands, hoping that the, con- you know, the killer apps are out there, we'll find them and we'll put them on the platform and we'll take our 20% at any time when it's sold, right? Apple, I think ha- is in a position where they don't need to lose money on this, right? Like they're already on top of consumer electronics ecosystem the software that they're providing, the quality of the hardware they're providing, they know is better than anything else in the market. They don't have anything to prove from that standpoint, right? So of course they're going to take those. They're not going to lose money on this device. two thousand dollar markup on a fifteen hundred dollar you know device is not that crazy. And I actually don't even think that they're pricing this against um, other AR VR headsets. I I just I don't. I think they're pricing this against what a workstation costs or what a nice tv costs or what you know like those things are expensive and if you think the markup on like a four thousand dollar oled tv is any you know any worse it's not it's probably they probably make more money per you know big tv that you buy because they're just manufacturing it panels it's just like ship it you know yeah so it, it i i don't think this is as insane as people are putting it on i, I remember like for example when the um pro display xdr came out mm. right and everyone's like a four three thousand four thousand dollar monitor what the fuck uh, don't get me wrong the stand the one thousand dollar stand that was ridiculous yeah that was absolutely ridiculous but the monitor itself like if you look at the co- competition of like what people are actually paying it's not that crazy there are lots of prosumer displays. And there are many uh, mastering and coloring displays that are two, three times that. Right. And that's what they're pricing it against is because, but the average consumer, because they're Apple is going to see the ad, they're going to see the price and they're going to freak out. And then, and they don't care really. Like they're not the people they are marketing the store. So I, I think if you are a 30, 40 year old person with you know uh, uh who's earning a good living and is looking to buy a new tv in a few years and and you're thinking oh well i could get a new tv or i could buy one of these headsets and have you know my imax theater at home maybe maybe that's something you consider you know that's i i think those are the kinds of decisions that factor into this i actually don't think it they care about what metal wants to price their headset or what you know Magic Leap wants to do because i don't think they even consider them competition honestly in, in this space yeah
0: yeah, if they wanted to compete with Meta, they'd be showing more games and trying to like actually do the things Meta's doing and, and play in those industries more. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, and certainly, let's be clear, Like, it might cost $1,500 to manufacture, but they've spent billions of dollars of in R&D. Oh, yeah, yeah. And at some point, they need to make up the cost of all that. Um, I also heard, uh, and I kind of like this rumor, that the pricing was also meant to target a certain number of sales because they don't want this to be a kind of thing that millions of people are trying to buy because it sounds like their capacity to actually produce these by like January of next year is kind of limited. And so they want to make sure that they are basically selling the number of these that they can actually manufacture. Um, yeah. And also the fact that, you know, some things probably will not work as amazingly as as they could here and uh, hitting too high of a critical mass of people buying them, um, that could, you know, put a bit of a stink on it. Uh, whereas if everyone who is buying it are the like the true believers who are so excited about the potential of this and it's the developers and it's the companies and it's everyone who uh, is, sees this as the first step in a, in a roadmap that leads pretty far into the future that's probably better for them than pricing it at $1,500 and, and seeing way more people try it and not necessarily be happy with it.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I have a lot of questions around like, I, I guess one big question was like, okay, why why this long lead time between when they announced this device and when it comes out, right? You could definitely speculate that they need the lead time to manufacture it based on demand that they they're seeing um you know how many people are actually interested in the device like there's metrics that they can start to use based on on those things um but i am also i mean it's been seven ten years in the making it it seemed to me that well there was a reason they announced that wwdc right it's a yeah. developer conference they're trying to get developers interested right even if most people watching it are not developers right um there's a reason they did that and they didn't do this at the iphone event where they would usually announce big product launches that's where they did apple watches where, obviously where they did iphone that's where they did most of their you know new product lines have all been in that september time slot so there's a reason they did it here mm. um and and that's probably the best theory but like for example if you look at like the components in this that would be difficult to manufacture so like the m2 chip right? They're manufacturing M2 chips for all of their devices. They own, they, we heard that they're, they just bought out 80, 90% of TSMC's capacity capacity for their next um, process, right? Like they have the capacity to build, to create the chips. I have no clue about this R1 chip and and what it takes there. That's almost a direct ripoff of like, Qualcomm's XR2 platform and their architecture which I think is fascinating everyone's like wow oh my god this is like well yeah it's Apple-fied and I'm sure it's way better but like yes it's kind of like the same shit Um, I have no clue about that and I'm assuming that would be the most complicated piece to manufacture if you know custom silicon is not easy and the displays I'm assuming they would not launch a product with this kind of display if they did not have a, a, their own like assembly line built for this right like this is you don't build a new display like in some other factory. you need your own assembly line for this kind of device and they would be idiots to market this without having that you know determined so yeah i i don't i don't know i i it is possible that they're trying to figure out like how many to build they are only launching it in the u.s mm-hmm. which is another interesting factor i don't I feel like that might also be some EU drama, some you know, you know, China EU drama that they want to avoid. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I just I, I don't I think their pricing is just based off like the use cases people are using and and what this is going to replace as a device. Like a, yeah. a good MacBook Pro is three thousand dollars. Like
0: yeah, um, and again, going back to like what people are actually going to use this for. I I see a lot of critiques in the XR community about like, I expected to see this whole suite of like, even if they didn't want to do gaming, like productivity apps, like the better version of Horizon Workrooms and all these things that are like very focused on things you can only do inside mixed reality. And I just want to point out that like, I think it makes a ton of sense for them to start with these apps that everyone's already familiar with and to basically just have spatialized 2D screens to start to onboard people into this world, because I think a lot of people are intimidated by what VR can do. And so to have this kind of skeuomorphic approach where you're not even skeuomorphizing, like, you know, notes are based on what it's like to write notes on a piece of paper. And then there's the iPhone version. And now there's the Apple uh, Vision Pro version of notes, which is more skeuomorphic of the app than actual notes. But it's trying to create this like very comfortable ramp for people to be like, okay, this feels familiar. this, And you've already alluded to this, Jacob, but to make this not scary, make this not intimidating, I think that makes a, a lot more sense than being like, here's all the crazy new things that are only possible in this device. I think it's fine to let developers and third parties be the ones who really explore this. I'm sure Apple has some things that are up their sleeve. Um, interestingly for me, the killer app for this is going to be when them or someone can really nail down co-presence and feeling like yeah. you are inside this headset with another person. You're sitting down and watching Disney Plus together. You're watching these volumetric videos of of your kids. The only down, the only thing that seems kind of crazy about that at the moment is like because of the price of the headset, it's like okay, so I'm going to do something with yeah. this with like three of my friends. Suddenly, you know, that's like ten thousand dollars in hardware, uh, which isn't that insane. But then the more people you start to add, like oh, I'm going to play uh, a multiplayer game that someone's come out with, and it's it's eight people playing, and now you're you know up in like twenty thousand dollars of hardware. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But that moment where you can sit down with someone and you turn and you're looking at either something that looks just like that person or it's a not uncanny version of an avatar. And it feels like they're sitting right there next to you. And you forget the fact that it's technology and it does feel more like teleporting. And that person is just now there with you. That I think could start to be a tipping point for people being like, I really miss my dad and I don't see my dad very often. He lives, you know, 10,000 miles away. And like, this is going to be a way for me to feel like we are in the same room together. If yeah. they can get to that point, like I think for a lot of people, that will be enough reason alone if they can afford it to buy a device like this.
1: Right, yeah. I I, I mean, w- w- what Apple tends to do is that they take a, an existing you know, service that they know people use. So like, right, like if you look at the focus of it, things like FaceTime, right? Mm-hmm. They're saying, yeah. okay, here's, you know, FaceTime, you use FaceTime, right? Here's what FaceTime looks like on this device. Isn't that cool, right? Yeah. It's just like, if you get a new iPhone, it's like, well, here's what your photos look like on this phone. Here's what your photos look like on the next phone, right? Because <laughs> right. you know what a phone, a, a photo looks like on your phone. You've taken photos, right? You yeah. get it, right? And so they're trying to relate your experience. I, I Totally right. I, I think if you look at like, okay, what sort of things would they introduce? Cause I I do think like being able to be, you know, with another person in these experiences is definitely uh, something that they're going to look heavily into. I mean, they're leaning into this in other places, right? They announced that you can have, um, you know, you can now FaceTime uh, or, or on your TV, right? You put your phone on your, you know, right in front of the TV, and then you can be sitting on your couch. It will follow you around. You can have your friends on the TV and you can watch a movie together, right? Like that, and they announced SharePlay and they announced like, oh, well, if you play your phone in in the car, all your friends can contribute music, right? Like they're clearly leaning in on this sort of thing. And I think as a result of COVID, if nothing else, right? But I I, I think if they're gonna do it, it's gonna be through FaceTime. It's gonna yeah. be through Disney Plus. It's it. They're not gonna go out and develop a new application just to say, well, now you can do X, Y, Z and VR and you open up this application and it does this, this. They don't want to explain all that, right? They want to say, here's what watching Disney Plus looks like on this device. Here's what FaceTiming someone looks like. And I I almost guarantee, I mean, it was very interesting to see, I I already commented on like USD in a text message, right? Like (laughs) they're also showing FaceTime for business, right? right? Like that's not something really they've leaned in on very much in the past, but this could be the device to lean in on that with, right? Like this could be the thing that makes FaceTime a Zoom competitor, right? Um, This could be the kind of thing that makes Keynote a real competitor to something like Slides, right? If you can give a virtual presentation with your device, right? That's the kind of thing that I think is pretty interesting and and, and worth watching for something like this. Yeah.
0: And I do have to, uh, we talked a little bit about standing on the backs of some of the other companies out there. Like I want to give a shout out to some folks like Savannah Niles and other folks at Magic Leap who worked on the, the social app Uh, for Magic Leap, which at launch was trying to do a lot of these things, like co-presence in the same room, you can share 3D files and like look at a presentation together, and it was trying to do these things. It was just a little bit early and they didn't have Apple's resources. Um, So a lot of these ideas have been in play for a while. But it just feels like Apple can actually uh, do this properly. Um, and yeah, as you say, like you know, everyone knows what it's like to watch like Disney Plus on their phone. Here it is on a giant screen where you've dimmed reality, and now you're in a an environment that feels more fitting for that. Like these are simple but powerful ideas. And I also think back to just how these things develop, like this makes sense for the first pass. It doesn't mean it's always going to be like this, but you get people comfortable with a new medium through these skeuomorphic, you know, um, uh, copies or or, uh, slow burns from one platform to another, and then you get more adventurous. So we've talked before about things like cinema and the early days of cinema being more like theater. You just plop down a camera and you're like, I'm recording a thing. And then you add in cuts and wide shots and montage and a cinematic language develops. The early app store, I didn't understand apps at first. I was like, okay, so I click the app and it takes me to the website basically. Like the app was just a a shortcut to a website. And then app developers started to do things that felt much more optimized and focused on the specific needs of that app. And when at all possible now, I prefer the app version of something to the website version, even though the website version is still an option. And so I'm sure we will start to see Apps that develop in this ecosystem that feel hyper specific to the realities of what can be done here, yep. but that'll take a little bit of time. And part of that is just getting people comfortable with the platform and the way they operate with it, so that cognitive load of moving into this this brave new medium yeah. uh, isn't too heavy and too much at the forefront.
1: I, I think people today would be absolutely dumbstruck if they went back to an iPhone one. Yeah. Realize how few features there were on it. Yeah. Right. Because they have been so smart about trickling out features that add impact, that make you want to buy the next device, yeah. but they don't make you feel like you're having to, they, they don't want you to have to decide whether or not you should get the next iPhone or switch to an Android, right? Right. And, it, and if you can say, oh, well, I like my iPhone that seems like a cool upgrade not have to think about whether or not you want that new feature that they gave you right and every once in a while this does happen like the home screen or you know face id like every once in a while people do question it they have to push something a little bigger to to move the mark right or you know when they remove the headphone jack like you don't always want that new feature but they are very very good with their software in particular at at stepping it just enough where you're not going to decide not to get the new iPhone because of the new feature and it's not going to overwhelm you, right? But if you went back to iPhone one through five, you would be shocked at how horrible the experience is, right? Because today we take so many things for granted, all the AirPlay widgets, you know, remember that for example, like Apple still hasn't released a weather app for iPad or a calculator app, yeah, right? And why have they done that? Well, they insist, that the only reason they would bring those applications to the iPad is if the iPad could provide an experience in those applications that your iPhone could not. Right. Right. Yeah. They're not just going to port it and just say, here's weather on iPad. They're going to say, what does weather look like on iPad? What does a calculator look like on iPad? You know, they, they don't just make those quick assumptions. Right. And, and that's been the secret to their success for so long in software. It's just like, they, they don't take the easy route on these things. So um, they don't take the easy route. They don't overwhelm you. They, they don't just do things for the heck of it. You know, like they want to actually enable some use case. They want to improve your experience, you know, like all this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And to your point, like, I'd love to see a timeline of when various Apple features were first prototyped internally versus when they were actually released. Because I'm sure there are some features where like by iPhone 2, we had like these nine things figured out, but they didn't come out until iPhone 5. And maybe like there was nothing wrong and they absolutely could have come out with iPhone 2 or iPhone 3. But it was about like this trickle of like we want people to, you know, acclimate to this and this first and then get this and then get this. It could also totally be like an artificial you know, like, oh, we want to make sure we have more features to release. That's the pessimistic way of looking <laughs> yeah. at it. And the whole you know umbrage people justifiably take with Apple and planned obsolescence and like, oh, yeah, we're going to hold on to this feature so we can release it in three years and then make everyone trash the devices they have yeah. now. But I'd like to think that some of that thought is just design thinking and like understanding how to uh, gradually acclimate everyone to to new you know modalities of interacting with their devices.
1: Yeah, I, I think that like, um, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I, I actually don't, I, I do think that they have more of a backlog of features. They have way more ideas than they yeah. have implemented in any device, right? If you look at how many people are working at this company, right, there are a lot of features that you can build with that many people, but that doesn't mean you should. You're right. right? And it also doesn't mean that it meets the goals long-term in terms of hardware and battery life and ease of use and all these other, right? Like it's all about the focus. If you look at like, I made a joke during the presentation because they released two new Apple watch faces. And I said, man, I would love to be the guy at Apple who has to deliver two watch faces in a year. And that was my job, right? Like (laughs) I'm the guy who has to design those fucking two watch faces they just have to be two really good watch faces that's it that's my job right like yeah you'd have a lot of fucking downtime but you know at the end of the day it means that when you're on your phone you're looking at the different watch face options you're not scrolling through ten thousand options or you're not having to search and figure out what you want right they're going to present you to hey have you Charged your Apple Watch lately, there's a new Mickey watch face and you'll be like, Fuck yeah, I gotta go charge my Apple Watch so that I can try this out, right? Like, it works, but man, I would love to be that guy. That, that, yeah.
0: So, Mitch Hedberg had a joke about uh, wanting to work at a kitchen appliance naming institute because he's like, All you do is you name what the thing does, and then you add er, what's that thing do? It keeps things fresh. Well, that's a fresher. He talks about refrigerator and toaster <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, Yeah, that seems like a pretty sweet gig. I'm going yeah. on break. Um, I do want to, I think we're kind of wrapping up here and we've been having an awesome discussion. I do want to go back to what you said at the beginning. And I'm curious uh, what things in the presentation you found uh, mockable or or laugh worthy.
1: I I think the most obvious one is when the guy is taking the photo of the kids. I I mean, look. Yes. I, I, (laughs) I don't, I actually don't know why they included this. It it makes no sense to me why. They are very smart about PR. They're very careful about their commercials. This is not an afterthought, right? I do not know why they did that because I understand why they include the 3D camera, Mm -hmm. right? They showed that later on. They showed, oh, well, you scan yourself with it. And, you know, maybe in the future they use that or maybe they already use that to scan environments and like you can use that in SDKs, I don't know, right? But fundamentally i do not know why they would include a video of a guy hunching over his kids recording them with the headset with his eye like that to me is the worst possible image of this device right right? which is someone who's totally not present for a you know life moment or whatever right looks ridiculous with his eyes Looking his eyes focused on like I get it if you're like sitting there and someone <laughs> walks in the room and you want to look human like okay. <laughs> but like, if you're trying to interact with someone and they have to look at your eyes through this device. Yeah. Ridiculous. Like I have no clue. Why they did that? And think about the kid too. Like your kid's
0: memory scary. of that moment is like my dad was so scary during that. Like yeah, on your side, you're like I'm capturing this moment. I'm gonna have this for the rest of our life. But like you're sacrificing your child's memory. Yeah, at that moment.
1: It, it makes no sense. Like to me, I my assumption is that okay, well you know they have this spatial technology. The next iPhone will have some 3D capture or something. You'll be able to view it in your Reality Pro, and it'll be great. Yeah. Cool, you could sell me on that. Like you can show me the guy with his phone watching, you know, recording his kids in this 3D depth scan or whatever, right? Like You could sell me on that. just like this was the worst possible situation. And I (laughs) I hope that
0: someone comes out with like a like a third party tripod or something, so you could like set up the Apple Vision Pro to be like, yeah, I want to record this birthday party, but like let it do it over there,
1: and I can still be present. And it should just be a it it should be a different device. Yeah, like it should be a different device. You should use your iPhone, like. I, I don't get, right? I, and I was also honestly very curious why there was no, I mean, maybe this will be a focus at future conferences, but, or future keynotes or before it's released, but why they didn't include any other Apple devices in this. Right? Yeah. Like, typically speaking, when you get a new Apple product launch, it's about how it works with the rest of your devices, right? That's a great point. I was yeah. assuming that like, for example, your Apple watch was going to be able to provide detailed tracking or haptics or something, right? Or, or maybe it was, you're, you were gonna have your heart rate in there, so it was gonna be able to set the mood or detect, right, like I was assuming you're gonna have, you have a biometric fucking monitor on my wrist, like yeah. use it in this. And I also assumed we would have something about iPhone or, you know, like some, we had something with MacBook, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, you were able to look at the Mac and it, you know, it popped up, that's great. Yeah. But like, I, I was very much wondering why there weren't other devices in this.
0: A lot of people thought this was going to be powered by your iPhone. They thought yeah, it yeah, be I like would... a very lightweight display and it has like a cord or something that you plug into your lightning jack and like, that's it. And, you know, it seems like Apple too, I don't know how much they care about this, but like upselling other devices, like, yeah, to show it working really well with an Apple watch, with AirPods, with all these other things could convince someone like me who does not own
1: a lot of Apple yeah, products no, to AirPods. Like, boy, that, that one's wild, right? Yeah. Like why did they include speakers on this thing when they're already selling Like it would make way more sense in my head for you to stick your AirPods pro in yeah. and for it to have some special mode. And, you know, like that one makes more sense to me. Yeah. You're totally right. I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. I, I, I do get why now why they didn't go with the iPhone because it would have drained the battery in five, yeah. five minutes and that wouldn't have worked because of how high resolution the displays are the fact that they have a display on the outside mm-hmm. right and that one makes sense to me i, I guess mm-hmm. um but like but- even
0: like something really simple like imagine yeah. you got your iphone open and you've got a note or a usdz file or something like that and you just like swipe up and something yeah. and then like it appears in your view be so cool
1: yeah yeah it seemed there were a lot of uh, missed opportunities there but maybe this presentation was really just about focusing in on the device explaining what it is to consumers and i i just feel like you know in, in the context of oh we're trying to make this relatable to things you use today yeah it could have been even better in my opinion if they had related it to you know how you use your iphone yep like saying oh well i have an iphone you're saying i can just like like meta doesn't have that like meta doesn't have their own phone for you to interact with this device with or their own headphones or you know all these other devices in their ecosystem so yeah it, it seemed odd to me i the apple watch i felt like was the biggest yeah question mark like everyone in the commercial was wearing an apple watch right? <laughs> but not using it but not it wasn't being used at all yeah which which doesn't make sense for a device like this if you're already working on hand gestures or like it could have been a sick haptic thing like yeah i I was you're pinching and it like vibrates to let you know that like that would have been so cool yeah
0: i was so ready to be convinced that i needed to buy an apple watch now to get ready for the things i'd be able to do with it using this headset and you know i still have no apple watch and still don't really feel like i need one
1: yeah i that one that was a big question mark yeah Um, um but yeah i hated that moment yeah um (laughs) i don't know i i i really have very mixed feelings on the eye eyes on the outside thing i i don't know
0: the people who have gotten to see it in person definitely have mixed reactions as well they're like i guess it's not too creepy (laughs) but you know you'd want them to be like oh yeah it feels totally natural i just feel like i'm having a conversation with someone but i don't know it's always going to be weird if someone has a headset on and they're trying to talk to you like a normal person
1: yeah i i i don't I, I get what they were trying to do right yeah. like but i i i think it that's a big gamble. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, it's something that they can disable. There's other ways they can use that display. Okay. I'm sure within the first six months, there will be a setting to disable that f- functionality.
0: I, I think um, what that would actually be more cool is just like a mirror. Like if I'm in a headset and I want people to know what I'm looking at, just like do the the broadcast of what I'm seeing on the front and just give people a little bit more of a sense of what I'm doing. And it doesn't. it feels more like a shared experience, wouldn't be so private.
1: Yeah, I mean, Maybe
0: you want it to be private, of course. but oh, like, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> but if I'm with a bunch of other
1: people, like I feel like I'm being rude if I'm doing something that no one else can see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely something to that. I yeah. I I just I don't know with that one. I, but I, in fairness, for example, like when the AirPods came out, I was like, that's the ugliest thing ever. No one's ever gonna like stick these weird ass things in your ear. Yeah. I, like I I've been wrong before about those kinds <laughs> of design decisions. So. Maybe this is something that we just don't understand yet. Maybe this is something that, you know, won't we'll just normalize to and it will be, you know, the killer feature of Apple Headsets that everyone will be trying to catch up to because it's such a hard thing to implement. Like maybe, maybe. I personally doubt it at the moment, but how about you? Was there anything that you hated beyond beyond those moments?
0: Um, no, I, I think that that sums it up pretty well. I was initially taken aback by the lack of like fully spatial apps where it's like we're we're detecting walls and floors and windows and like completely changing your environment based on things, basically like a better version of what Meta is already trying to do. And it's like everything's yeah. just a 2D app, but it it just took me like a little bit of time to be like, no, this actually really makes sense. So besides the the child birthday party moment, which did seem very weird, um, I I was totally on board with most of what was shown. Um, really I I only have one more thought in my notes which is that I really love the like misty gel kind of uh, effect that you have on the front when you're not wearing the headset it's a dumb little thing that like doesn't technically add value but as an aesthetic it's like that just gives this device this kind of like really cool mystique that makes me want to like pick up and activate it and and use it
1: (laughs) yeah i I mean it's totally clear that there's a lot of tech beyond behind the scenes that they're just not talking about yet like it in again in that nine minute trailer they make a comment about the spatial audio and how they're doing auditory ray tracing in the scene yeah based on the materials, which says to me, oh, well then they're segmenting the room, they're identifying objects and materials. And like, it. So I I know someone was talking about one of the experiences that they were showing in the demo suite about a T-Rex and then a butterfly flies in, you could put out your finger and it would land on. So like clearly all the depth sensing, everything else is there. You can see your hands in the device, we know that. Like there's a lot of tech here that they're clearly not talking about um in depth maybe just because it's just nerdy and only we care about it which is probably true yeah. um but yeah I, I think there's there's a lot there Let, let's talk briefly before we end up I mean, this is gonna be a long episode because this is a cool topic but yeah let's talk briefly about the actual like hardware specs on this thing and how this real
0: works. quick before you do that i just want to point out just again for people who don't know the history the t-rex thing oculus did it first in fact oh, yeah. uh oh, this yeah. t-rex that came in and roared roar at you which was part of oculus dream deck Every time I gave that demo, I'd have like a little spritz bottle ready. So when there's like spit flying out of the T-Rex, I'd actually get people's face wet. That was fun. And Leap Motion did the butterfly thing first. They noticed that like something like a butterfly that was very light, it kind of gave you this phantom sensation of something being on your finger when something that light virtually would land on it. So just, you know, again, Apple doing it very well. Just want to point out others did it first. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap up with the specs.
1: Yeah. So very good points. No whale. No I think whale. they purposely avoided the whale. <laughs> for those of you who are wondering why we keep talking about whales, every yeah. ARVR demo, for you know since Vive everything has had a whale. I mean, even further back, like graphics, like a whale is just like what you use to demo your device. And no <laughs> whale here, which can only mean one thing. You know, this is a whaleless device. It might not be worth getting. But um, let's talk about specs. Yeah, uh, I think. The biggest one is the display, um, so it's two individual displays, and we're talk. They quoted at twenty three million pixels, and I looked. Uh, someone on Twitter, um, let's see if I can find it real quick. Um, someone on Twitter was talking about how this related in terms of resolution to previous devices, um, and it was specific uh, to a, like a megapixel. Um, I'm going to do my best to paraphrase it if I can't find this real quick. Uh, But essentially, if you do the math, it's approximately like 3840 by 3k or like 3k by 3k square per i, if you do the math, Um, maybe a little more, Uh, chances are, I mean, they quote it as higher than 4k per i, which means, you know, if you do like 3k by 3k, that's technically more per i, even though. 3840 by 2160 is it's just a different aspect ratio, but it is more pixels. Um, but based on the size that they were t- saying, this is the DPI or like the pixels per inch um, or or kind of like uh, uh, angular resolution is you know two or three times. we've seen on previous headsets essentially you know
0: what the actual uh uh, dpi or ppi is because i think it's 60 would be like human eye resolution or that's where most people can't tell the difference i was surprised they
1: didn't use the word retina to be perfectly honest Mm because that's their thing um so it was man i can't find this right now which is annoying but it's something like uh the first oculus was like one or two megapixel per eye like the Latest headset out, the big screen VR, which everyone was talking about, the resolution in it was like six megapixels per eye. This is 11, right? So this is a huge, huge jump up in terms of of resolution. Big question as to how they're actually driving this thing, which is why I have so many doubts about its graphical performance, and that's maybe why they're not focusing on games and and how you know WebXR and these other things will fit into it. Because this is just an enormous resolution to drive. Like, we can hardly play 4K games on PC. And you're going to say, two 4K monitors strapped to my eyes is going to, no, it's not going to happen on a mobile device. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what the DPI number is. You, I'm sure you could do the math. They said it was about a postage stamp, so an inch square, and then, you know, 3K by 3K per eye. You can probably, you know, do that math. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's, very high resolution suffice to say they called it a micro oled um there have been micro led displays before um so the difference is a micro led display you still have a backlight um but the individual backlight uh, um, leds are much smaller and you have more or sorry um the 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 the, like individual diodes are much smaller and you have uh typically more dimming zones and stuff like that. Um, an OLED, you know, they're self-illuminating. OLED stands for like, uh, oh man, uh, fuck, I don't remember. It, <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah, it, the, the actual LED, the diodes produce their own light. There's no backlight. Like that's the, the purpose of an OLED and why you can like shut off individual pixels and you get perfect blacks, right? Um, but as far as I'm aware, there have not been micro OLED displays before, or certainly, uh, I mean, obviously not to this uh, not with pixels this small. This has to be by far the smallest pixels of, of any self-illuminating device. I'm very, every, no one has talked about issues with brightness. My guess is that like, for example, when they were showing the shots where like it was, you were fully immersed, it was all very dark scenes with the idea being that you are surrounded and you're like focusing in on a piece of media, right? Because I have serious doubts that this thing can get bright enough, even with self-illuminating pixels. Like OLEDs are notoriously dim compared to LEDs and backlights. Mm -hmm. I have serious doubts that LEDs this small could produce enough brightness across the whole display without overheating. Um, So like the super dark backgrounds with like a single white pain. I could be purposeful it could not be I don't know you know like a single movie screen where all the content is and then you have like a a, a lake a dark lake around you right like that that to me could be purposeful um but extremely interesting yeah, for sure um so real
0: quick on that first of all OLED stands for organic light emitting diode so LED you. um cool uh, now Vario, Vario has a 70 PPD, so that is, in theory, a human eye resolution. How do you think they're doing that? Or by self-illuminating, do you mean something that isn't plugged in with a, an external power source? What kind of display is it? Uh, Vario display type... Do, 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 do. And just for context, so, yeah, Vario is 70, and then uh, the MetaQuest Pro is about 20, and then the Apple Reality Pro is about 33, so somewhere in between those two, but Vario display is a full-frame bionic
1: display. Do you know what that means? Uh, Oh, it's
0: U-O-L-E-D.
1: U, oh, that's probably micro as well. Okay. Yeah, it's probably U as in like the, you know what I mean? Uh, the the micro little symbol, which is like the backwards U thing. Um, it's it's perfectly possible that there have been micro LED dis- or micro, micro OLED displays before, but it's not something that I'm used to hearing about. Um, yeah, it does seem like they're both micro uh, OLEDs. I, I'm very curious. I, I don't know anyone who has impressions on one of these. So I'm very curious to hear... Uh,
0: Yeah, I'm trying to uh, even find a definition for U-O-L-E-D. I I think
1: U is literally the symbol mu, M-U, which is micro, right? Like when you uh, notate um, micro. Um, Apple. And I'm
0: seeing things about, yeah, their bionic display trademark and um, just, yeah, micro um, LED screens and... Um, yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know, Vario, which retails for somewhere between like $7,000 and $10,000, um, actually yeah. has four screens inside of it because it's trying to give you a wider field of view.
1: Yeah. So, uh, okay, so clearly we need to do a little more research on this, but um, th- this display is, is crazy sharp. Super sharp. Um, I am interested to hear about the brightness of it. Um, it, it I mean, it's possible that it's super bright. Um, but OLEDs typically that's not the case or, you know, they're packing a lot of pixels into this very small display. We don't know if this thing has active fans yet. It does have vents on it. We know that Um, it's certainly possible that there are active fans in this device. It wouldn't surprise me at all, given that there's two chips and two displays on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Pretty cool. Any of the other specs jump out at you? um i mean the battery life it, how long was the battery life for the quest or sorry the meta pro meta quest pro battery life uh
0: two to three hours so i'd say maybe comparable um would be nice and maybe this is already the case with the apple uh vision pro is, is like a hot swappable battery yeah um, that, i have a so bunch of it- like Little tiny batteries that I plug into the side of the MetaQuest Pro to extend battery life. It it works with other Quest headsets too, but a simple way to like keep it going would be nice.
1: It seems like, um, so the the actual battery pack is detachable. We saw that in it. Okay. But there was an account where um, at the bottom, they didn't show this, but at the bottom of the battery pack, it seems like there must be a USB C or a lightning connector because they quote on the website that it's all day if plugged in um and there was an account that said oh well there's a there's a port on the bottom that you can connect a power adapter to mm. um so my assumption is that that's the situation it's like you have the battery pack for mobile and then they assume that you know if you're sitting at your desk or sitting on your couch um you know you plug it into a charger i think they didn't show that because it's awkward Um, and maybe they're working on some device to enhance that, like some sort of docking system or, you know, the ability to, you know, take the charging pack and, you know, you have some sort of thing on your desk. You just, you know, I I don't know who, who knows, but, um, (laughs) it does seem like they'll at least give you the option of plugging in some sort of third-party power adapter, you know, via the bottom of this battery pack. I'm sure the battery pack itself will cost $300 or something crazy. Yeah.
0: The accessory I'm most looking forward to, which will probably be made by a third party, is um, a top head strap. It just looks to me like by only having that side head strap, it's going to feel front heavy and maybe hurt your nose after a while, entirely based on the look of the design. So some kind of top strap to put a little bit more of the weight up there would be really nice.
1: Yeah, I I was surprised, especially because we know this is a heavy device. Like it has an aluminum front panel and a giant piece of glass on it. Um, I'm sure it's comfortable you know they would not release this device if it didn't i think they avoided the top strap um because that's typically like how you like for example like mess up your hair and it makes it more awkward it's like a helmet you know it's like i, I get the feeling it was just a bad look but i am assuming they will launch something like that i would imagine they said the facial interface is removable too uh
0: Yeah. um, Once again, though, the same mistake Magic Leap made at launch, though, like there doesn't seem to be a lot of consideration for women who wear dresses that don't have pockets. Oh, yeah. This was a big
1: thing. It's like no pocket. Like, where are you supposed to put this thing if you don't have pockets? Yeah. And Magic Leap solved it by pretty soon, uh,
0: to give them credit after release, they made like a purse strap version, which made it so you could kind of wear it like a shoulder bag. And that was a pretty elegant solution. But I'm surprised that Apple like didn't have that at launch or, you know, in the initial presentation.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that is strange. I, I do think most people are going to end up using this with a power adapter. Yeah. Um, I mean, they showed only use cases where you're sitting down mm-hmm. and there's no reason why you couldn't have it plugged in. The only reason you would want it like in a battery pack is if you're doing a lot of moving around, which they didn't show. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I want, a, I want a, a third-party device. Again, assuming Apple
0: wouldn't make this. That is basically just like a little liquid nitrogen cold storage thing. So it almost like simulates liquid cooling. So I can like overclock everything, run everything at the highest specs and just have it like constantly yeah. cooling down. Although as I'm saying that I just remembered all the computing is actually on the device. I totally expected it to be more like Magic Leap where it's offloaded onto an iPhone or some other device. But it's my understanding that that's just the battery pack. It's, the whole computer is it's right there.
1: Just the battery, which yeah, was definitely shocking. But I, I think, yeah, A- Apple can build their own like they can build their own chips they they don't have to worry they can design the entire form factor of it in a way that no one else can yeah it's clearly extremely compact and and they would not be able to do this if they had a super hot chip in there and it needed more active cooling than i imagine it does like i'm imagining actually probably the aluminum frame on this thing is doing most of the cooling Mm -hmm. whereas most headsets are just plastic so you have to have heat sinks and fans in them yeah but even then like Yeah, this thing is super, super thin for how much stuff they're packing into it. There's no other way to put that. I have no clue how they did
0: it. I I did like, and and you're reminding me that this is the developer conference, not the consumer conference, the amount of detail that went into describing and showing like, here's the whole fan system and how everything's actively cooled. And I was like, it's kind of cool that they're actually like spending a little bit of time uh, showing that off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um yeah, I have so many questions about this device, man. I I, I want it, I, I just want to get my hands on it, of course, I but know. it's going to be a while. Um, I will be very excited to see, they have to keep the hype up somehow. So we're going to hear things about it. I don't know what we're going to hear. Like it's not Apple's thing to like announce a big device like this and then just let it simmer for so I imagine like we'll be hearing stuff, but
0: I, I mean, I'd hope in the next few months we at least start to see them at Apple stores and you can do demos of them there.
1: Yeah. That would be really cool. It doesn't yeah. sound like that though. Right. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Cool. What a supersized episode we've had here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was big news. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Huh? Yeah. A
0: lot of people were thinking, like, wouldn't it be crazy if after all this, Apple just like nothing about a headset? Because for me, the tipping point was when they actually invited like Ian Hamilton from Upload VR and Ben Lane from Road to VR and like actual XR press outlets. And it's like, it would be ridiculous that they actually yeah. invited these people. That'd they be weren't so going to announce anything. That'd be
1: so rude to be a troll. All, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, but we're on the other side of it. It's a real product. Apple is invested in the ecosystem. I could practically hear all the investors who were like, the metaverse is dead. Now I'm looking at yeah. AI doing like this hard U-turn to be
1: like, oh, maybe we should still care about the metaverse and XR. And all Believe it or not, I had two calls today uh, for uh, with people who wanted to do things like streaming to an Apple VR headset that doesn't exist yet. There you go. It was incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to see a lot more of it. That's for sure.
0: Hopefully NVIDIA and Apple can be friends and uh, it's not going to be impossible to, to get an NVIDIA GPU to stream to a, an Apple headset.
1: Yeah. They're not friends. That's never <laughs> happening. That's never happening. <laughs> All right. We should wrap this one up. Maybe we'll end up splitting this into two parts, even given how, how long we've we've been talking about this, but uh, thank you everyone who who's listened uh, up to this point. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, we could keep talking about this I'm sure um, but I, I hope this guy this gets you excited and let us know if you'd like to like us to talk about anything else um, about this or AR XR and we could go on and on about this so definitely let us know um, you know any shout outs you want to leave before we we jump off Oof, I I do, but I am too tired. So we'll save some shout outs for next time. (laughs) We'll do that. All right. Well, thank you again for listening. Like, subscribe, rate, comment, whatever it is, or whatever you're you're watching, listening, share it. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode.
0: Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Bye.